special group of senior, senior crowd we opened the service today. So worship with them as they come to sing, I believe. Angels are going to be here. Pictures of the sun. Y'all pray for us this morning. We're going to sing a song called Honey in the Rock. And I know that our young friends had sang that song before. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about Honey in the Rock, though. This whole song is basically based on Scripture, where Moses was bringing the children of Israel in the wilderness. And they, over and over again, had to depend on God for everything. Literally food, water, and that's what this song is about. And actually, there's a scripture where it talks about there was honey that they found inside the rock. Manna was laying on the ground every morning for them to eat. Water came from a rock when they were thirsty. Now, if God can do that for his children in a desperate time, why can he not do that for us? in the desperate times that we go through. That's what the scripture's for. It's to teach us principles that we can stand on today. So you pray for us as we sing Honey in the Rock. Praying for a miracle thirsty for the living It's not hard to see, only you can satisfy. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know. Everything I need you've got, there's honey in the rock. Spirit is bounty in the wilderness. You will always satisfy. Sweetness at the mercy seat. Now I've tasted. It's not hard to see. Only you can satisfy. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone. The ground, no matter where I go, I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need. You've got there's honey in the rock, purpose in your plan, power in the blood, healing in your hands. Started flowing when you said it is done. Everything you did seemed up. I keep looking, I keep finding. You keep giving, you keep providing. I have all that I need. You are all that I need. I keep praying, you keep moving. I keep praising, you keep proving. I have all that I need. You are all that I need. I keep looking, I keep looking. Keep finding, you keep giving, keep providing. 
There's honey in the rock. Sing this song with us. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to Thank you guys for that. Let's give them another hand clap this morning. Thank you so much. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Aren't you glad to be saved today? Amen. Good to know who Jesus is, right? I want to make a few announcements. I'll get out of the way uh, so, that, so that our praise team can go ahead and sing us a couple more songs here in worship this morning before we get into the reading of the word. I do want to make mention, congratulations. I don't know if they're watching via Facebook right now or not, but Brandon and Jennifer Anderson had a healthy baby boy, which we give God glory for. Jack Bennett Anderson was born on 11-20-23, around 358, weighed 7 pounds, 4 ounces, 20 and a half inches tall. So we praise God for that. Congratulations to them today. Hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Did everybody have a good one? You eat enough, everybody? I ate until I literally probably had to repent for gluttony. I don't preach very often on that. I typically don't do it too much. It won't be the topic this Sunday. I'll promise you that. <laughs> Attention to all the ladies. Sunday, December the 10th, the ladies are going to Praise Cathedral for God With Us musical at 3 p.m. 
Uh, if you are going, there's a sign-up sheet when you walk out of those doors on the right-hand side. If you are planning on eating, we have to turn into the caterer today that number. So if you are a lady and you're planning on going, it is $20 a ticket to eat the catered meal, and I promise you it's going to be delicious. It'll be served in the front of the Family Life Center after the morning service, and then you'll be going to the event uh, thereafter. I also want everybody to know it's adopted Christmas in Six Mile. We take uh, two families this year, and there's four different kids that we're going to be sponsoring. These are families that we want to bless uh, that may be struggling, going through some hard times. We want to help them through it, be the church. I love this time of year. And so we've already ordered a lot of the stuff. But if you want to give to that need, some of you gave last year. And we actually were able to utilize some of that to start off this year. And so we thank you for that. Had an online giver that gave as well just for that purpose, a good offering. So we thank God for that. But uh, we're going to be buying a few more items that is on their Christmas list. We are proud to say that we're going to be able to get everything that's on their wish list. It reminds me of the story in the Bible where the man of God said, you should have struck it more than three times. You should have struck it five or six. So in other words, ask for more and God will give you more, right? But we were able to meet all of those needs for those kids this year. And we're really, really thankful for your help in that. You can give in the offering boxes, label it Christmas if you would. Adopt a Christmas or you can give online. And so thank you so much for blessing these kids. It's better to give than to receive. Can I get an amen? God bless you guys. Amen. Let's stand together. Isn't it good to fill his presence before we even start? Amen. This morning the senior choir opened up and led us into his presence. The Lord, we bless you today. We glorify you. Let's put our hands together. Sing. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Give praise to the Lord, beside Him there's no other. Sing it again. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. We give you praise. Give praise to the Lord, beside Him there's no other. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made, oh, I will rejoice and be glad in it. He brought us from morning to dancing, from glory to glory, and this is the day the Lord has made, so what are we waiting This is the day the Lord 
we give God some praise in the house this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Friday morning, the Lord breathed into my spirit a word that um, I had gotten up. I had drank my coffee, several cups of coffee, maybe a pot of coffee. Maybe I was like Paul going to the third heaven and didn't even know it. But the Lord whispered something to me that I need to tell you. The voice of God in the noise. The voice of God in the noise. Life can get noisy, folks. Life can get noisy, can't it? Do you know what noise is? Noise is those distractions. Noise are those voices. Oftentimes it's ourself talking to ourself. Sometimes it's the devil talking to us. When we use the term life gets noisy, it could imply a time in our life when there's a lot happening, right? There's a lot going on. We call it life happens. It's in these times that we need stillness. We need clarity from God. Because it's in these hours that we don't know what to do. That's why we need the stillness. We have to get away from the noise. We have to get away from the hustle and bustle. And we have to say, God, I need you in the middle of this chaos that I'm dealing with. Such it is in the life of the man that I'm going to read about today. He is one of the greatest prophets that have ever been written about in the pages of the Bible. It is a man by the name of Elijah. Have you ever heard of him? If you have read your Bible or if you've went to church any amount of time, you've heard of a man of God by the name of Elijah. A matter of fact, this is a guy that could very well, what I believe would be one of the two prophets that are going to come back or the two witnesses that will come back during the end times. In the book of Revelation chapter 11, we read of two prophets or two witnesses that come back to the earth that are slain, but they'll rise up a few days later. You know the story. 
We believe, even many Bible scholars believe that Elijah is one of those guys. So I want you to understand who we're dealing with today. We are not dealing with a lightweight Christian that just got saved last Sunday. We are not dealing with the guy that literally is what we call a shallow Christian, right? He serves God when he wants to serve God, right? He'll, he'll come to church when he wants to come to church. He prays when he wants to pray. He just reads his Bible periodically. This is a guy we're not dealing with a lightweight, shallow Christian, I want to give you a little insight about the man Elijah just to re refresh your memory before I read my text today. The prophet Elijah is on the other side of one of the greatest victories that any prophet of God has ever seen in his entire life. He has went to a king named Ahab. He has told him, it is not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. At the voice of a man of God, the Bible said the heavens shut up and the rain quit falling. A famine would follow three and a half years later. The man of God would go back to that same wicked uh, king and he would say, all right, get ready. The rain is about to fall and that is exactly what happened. He has found himself by a brook called Sherith. Every single day the ravens are sustaining him. They are bringing him food to eat every single day. Can you even imagine? I mean, it takes give us our daily bread to the next level because he was literally getting it dropped off every morning. Fresh meat. The Bible teaches us that this very prophet, he also goes on in his life and he is sustained by a widow that is literally making her last meal. I preached on a, a month or so ago. She is building a fire. She is about to cook her last bit of flour and oil to, to make some dough and make a cake. She's told the man of God, me and my son are going to eat it and then we are going to die. Right? You remember that story. But the man of God said, if you'll make me a cake first, this whole famine, every time you go back to your flour jar, there's going to be flour in it. And every time that you get that little cruise of oil and you're going to pour it out to make another cake, there's going to be oil in it. This is the man of God I'm talking about. And for three and a half years, a woman that was cooking her last meal, for three and a half years she cooked for her and her son off of a little bit of flour and a cruise of oil. This very same widow's son was going to die. And after the widow's son died, what did Elijah do? He laid out on that boy and the Bible said the breath of God came back into him. He literally raised her son from the dead. All of these breakthrough wins for the man of God Elijah culminate into a final showdown on a mountaintop. We call it the mountaintop showdown. It is Mount Carmel. Up here there's 450 prophets of Baal against one prophet of God. The man of God that can stop the rain. The man of God that can start the rain. Now becomes the man of God that can literally call fire down from heaven. Right. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. He says, let it come and God rains down fire. The sacrifice is consumed all because a man asked God to do it. You talk about the Lord using him mightily to show his strength through him is an understatement. He is one of the greatest prophets in Israel's entire history. 
So now that we have a little background about this man of God, I'm going to proceed to read the text. Now, why did I choose to tell you a little bit about the man? I mean, why not just do like you do on a typical Sunday morning? Why not just read the text, preacher, right? Because the man that I just told you about doesn't look anything like the man I'm about to read about in our text today. A matter of fact, I would go as, as far to say that if you were to take a Bible for the very first time and you had never read it in your life, and you picked it up and you said, God, lead me to a scripture, and you flipped up in your Bible and you went to 1 Kings chapter 19, you would never believe that the man in chapter 19 is the same prophet in chapter 17 and 18. There is something so drastic that happens in his life. It's called life. And life has happened. And it is really noisy right now. I mean, he can hear the voices. There's literally the voice of a, of a woman named Jezebel that says, by this time tomorrow, you will be dead. Just like you killed these 450 prophets, that voice is playing over and over in his mind. I can't even imagine what the devil was telling him during this time. First Kings chapter 19, so I can preach to you. And there he went into a cave. He spent the night in that place, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to see it in your head. He crawls up into a cave. While he is tucked away in the cave, the word of the Lord came to him and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So Elijah said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel. You know, they've forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left and they seek to take my life. But then God said, You go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold, the Lord is going to pass by. A great and a strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there is a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire, there was a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said again, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah said again, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel, they've forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life too. But then the Lord said to him, Go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you anoint Haziel as king of Syria. Anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha shall be anointed as a prophet in your place. It shall be, verse 17, that whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu will kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel. All whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Do you understand today why I gave you a little history lesson before the text? Because the man of God in my text is not making oil and flowers stay in jars. He isn't calling rain or fire from the sky. The man of God that 
literally depressed and he's hiding in a cave. But there's some key words in my text that I need you to grab, three of them. The Bible says he was a man of God. Again, Elijah isn't a lightweight. He is not a shallow Christian. This is a man that has given his entire life to ministry. I need you to hear me and hear me good. You can be a man or a woman of God and end up in a cave of despair and hopelessness. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Yes, you can do everything right. You can follow your Bible. You can sing your song. You can preach your sermon. You can treat people with respect. You can love your neighbor as yourself and still end up in a cave just like Elijah did. A matter of fact, I'll say it this way. If Elijah ended up in a cave, I am certain that we can too. But the first verse says, as I go down through here and let the Lord lead me, the first verse says that Elijah spent the night in the cave. What is the lesson that I want to learn from this? The lesson I want to learn and I want you to learn is that you can spend the night in the cave. But God never intended for you to live there. I said it's okay to spend the night in your cave. But God did not intend for you to live there. You can have your pity party. And I've had many of them. I have sat in corners. I have sat in quiet rooms. And I have had pity parties. Nobody was there. Nobody was with me. It was me and God. I'm all alone. And I begin to tell God all of the issues I have with what he's doing right now. I've had pity parties. I've had pity parties where I felt that I was mistreated and I was done wrong. And nobody cared but me. I've had my share of pity parties. You can have a woe is me session. Anybody, woe is me. If you want to, trust me, I've had a quite few of those too. But you cannot allow yourself to turn your cave into your residence because God doesn't want you to do that. That is why God asked Elijah the question, what are you doing in there? I, 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 want, I want you to grab this. Listen to me, folks. I know what trials are. I have been through them. I started on this journey. I was six years old when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Six years old. So for you that think the kids can't get saved, man, I'll fuss with you and argue all day if you want to. That's a lie from hell. I've seen kids this tall come and say, Jesus, come into my heart. I believe God saved them immediately because they had faith. I really believe it. I knelt down at an altar one day, six years old, what I call at the time. I, yes, I believe I was at the age of accountability for sure. But I'm telling you that ever since then, I've been through trials. And I know what trials look like. And I know what they feel like. And I want you to know, like Elijah, yes, I have given my entire life to ministry. I have given my life to make sure that everyone else is okay. I have given my life to make sure that you're encouraged. I have, and I'm glad to do it. But it doesn't mean that I've never walked through a trial. 
And it doesn't mean that there's never been a day that I sat there and thought to myself, why in the world are you preaching on encouragement when you're not even encouraged? How can you tell other people that they're going to make it when you don't even feel like you're going to make it? I have been there. And Elijah is there. And he is in a cave. But God said, enough with the pity party. It's time to come out of the cave, Elijah. You have not been raised up and anointed for this purpose. I can't use you if you live in that place. Man, I'm telling you. I've pastored some churches and I asked myself the question. God didn't have to ask me. I asked myself, Jimmy, what are you doing here? I didn't need God to ask me. I asked myself, what in the world have you gotten yourself into? Why are you here, Jimmy? The problem is I asked the question from the wrong perspective. You have to understand it was noisy during the time. I mean, there was so much going on, so much turmoil in my life at the time that I asked from the wrong mindset, what are you doing here, Jimmy? You aren't making a difference anyhow. People aren't changing. They listen to your sermons, but they really don't hear what you're saying. You're pouring everything out, but you get nothing in return. Folks, what I'm trying to tell you is I know what it feels like to be in a cave too there are some folks here today there's people listening via Facebook right now that you've been in the cave for some time and God is calling you out of it today there's some of you that either you've been in the cave or either you are currently finding yourself in the cave. But I am glad that I serve a God that speaks. I am glad that I serve a God that he still has a voice. And in the middle of all the noise, my God Almighty, the voice of God can whisper in your ear things you never thought possible. He'll let you know. He's going to make a way when it seems like there's no way. He's going to be there when nobody else when, 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 I, when I read here I, 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 you have to make sure you are listening to the right voices when you are in the cave I have seen times Johnny Thomas that I was so desperate for a word from God I don't care who it was I've been in some caves and some low places I was about ready to give up. I didn't have anything to lose anyhow. And I'm telling you, God could have sent a drunk on the street staggering and speak a word into my life. And I believe I'd have said, all right, I receive it. If it would have had any positive ringtone to it. I'm serious. I've had those moments. But you have to be careful who you listen to when you're in the cave. See, I serve a God that speaks. A matter of fact, I opened up my Bible yesterday or Friday morning and I looked at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3 and this is what God said. He wanted to introduce himself as a God that was not quiet. He wanted to introduce himself as a God that can talk to us. For the Spirit in the beginning, you remember the in the beginning, the earth's without form and void, darkness upon the face of the deep, but the voice of the Lord speaks. And God said... Let there be light. Bam, and there is light. And God said, let there be, and there was. In other words, God wanted to introduce himself as a God that not only hears us, but he is a God that can speak directly to us. He did it with Adam and Eve. 
But then when you read on in your Bible and you get to Genesis chapter 3, the lying serpent also had a voice, did he not? And everything that God had said to Adam and Eve, the serpent says, has God really said that? He wanted, oh my God Almighty, he wanted while they were down and out and discouraged, he wanted them to hear a message that would destroy them. And I'm telling some of you today that that is the job of this lying serpent. He can talk to. And for some of you, he's been whispering in your ear and you've about listened to what he's got to say. But I need to tell somebody today, you need to make sure you're hearing the right voice because the voice of God isn't going to tell you it's over. The voice of God isn't going to tell you there's no hope. No, no, no. That's the voice of the serpent, the devil, your enemy telling you that. I know y'all ain't shouting. I don't care. I don't want you to. I want you to listen. The Bible teaches us, has God really said? If Satan can cause me to doubt what God's word has said, he's got me defeated. If the devil can get you to the place that you pick up your Bible and you think there's no need in reading this because I've read it before, nothing changes. If he can get you to that place, you, my friend, are defeated. What you're going to do is you're going to tuck away and you're going to hide away and you're going to live in that dark cave for the rest of your life because you listen to the wrong voice. When I pick up my Bible... I want to believe in my heart. Oh yeah, I know there's times you don't feel like it. I know there's times that you're not feeling it. I understand that. But I'm telling you, if God said it in this Bible, I believe he said, let yea be yea and nay be nay. In other words, if God says it, let it be so. Let all men be called liars. Let the devil, the father of lies, be a liar. But let God's word be truth. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. But my words are going to last forever. I need you to hear what I'm telling you today I'm glad I've got a God that speaks what's the lesson the very first thing we learn about the devil is that he wants to cut us off from the voice of God what did God do with Adam every day in the evening they strolled that garden together and what did God do they spoke as if they were friends so what did Satan do he started whispering in their ears until they believed what he told them and they went and what did they do the Bible said they hid themselves from the Lord. They went and got in their spiritual cave and they hid out. The Bible said they sowed fig leaves. They, they were naked. They didn't even know they were naked. Sin had never entered the world. But they sowed fig leaves and they went and they hid themselves. When God came down, He said, Adam, where are you? We always meet at this time of day. Where are you? What had happened is Satan's voice had cut off the voice of God from their life. That is what happens. He wants us to question everything God has already said to us through His Word. Because I'm telling you, sometimes you may not get a fresh word. Sometimes it may be a regurgitation of what God has already said, but it is just as powerful right now as it was 4,000 years ago. Come on, somebody, and shout praise the Lord in this house. The devil thought if he could defeat Elijah, if he could just get him in that cave. And I'm sure, man, I, I, my text won't show it to you today. But I am sure the devil had a pile to say to him while he was tucked away in that dark cave. 
I can only imagine. Can you imagine? He's in this dark place. There's no sunshine. It is dark, and the devil is sitting there. I can. He probably wouldn't even shut up. Elijah, all the miracles he's wrought, all the good things he's done, and I can hear the devil saying, "You're a failure, Elijah." You're a washed up has been Elijah. God doesn't care about you. He doesn't care that you're here in this cave. You've given everything for God. He's doing absolutely nothing for you. But then in the middle of the noise, God said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, this gets interesting to me because God asked the same question two different times. I did not read double scriptures to you. I read different scriptures to you. In verse 9 and in verse 13, God asked the same question. What are you doing here? Watch this. Then Elijah replies two times. In verse 10, in response to verse 9. In verse 14, in response to verse 13. Oh, I've been very zealous for the Lord. That means, God, I have preached everything you told me to preach. I have done everything right. I obeyed you, but yet your people have torn down the altars. They have broken their covenant with you. They're even killing prophets, and I'm going to be the next one that they kill. He responded both times with the exact same response. God asked the same question. Elijah responded the same way, both of them two different times. But there is so much going on between those verses. In particularly that verse 11 through verse 12. There is so much going on. And I want to show you what is happening in the middle. See, some people only see you at point A and they see you at point B. But they have no idea what was happening in between those points. This is the way the questions are. God asks here and God asks there. Elijah responds here, Elijah responds there. But there is a bunch of junk going on in the middle. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of chaos. And I'm going to show you what it is. See, this is what God is saying today. Some of you just... What you need is you just need to hear God speak again in your life. That's what you need. I'm going to say it again because the devil just tried to zone some of you out. I said, what you need in your life is to hear the voice of God again. This is exactly what Elijah needed. You need to hear his voice again. You need him to let you know that he is still there. And God said to Elijah, get out of this cave, Elijah. Why get out of the cave? Have you ever done research on a cave? Do y'all know what a cave is? A cave is dark. That is why bats live there. Because they sleep during the day. They fly at night. Somebody said, well, why did they sleep during the day? They're in a cave somewhere. They're tucked away in the darkness. I'm telling somebody because they are creatures of the night. I want you to understand. Y'all still haven't caught this. In other words, what I'm telling you is you can't see clearly. As long as you are tucked away in this cave, you cannot see it's dark in there. Amen. You're not thinking with clarity. You're not speaking the right words. You're tucked away in the cave, and God knew if He could get Elijah to come out of the darkness, 
if he could get Elijah to come out of the cave. When he got outside, he would realize, you know what? The sun's still shining. See, sometimes we get so tucked away in that cave that we forget that the sun is still shining outside the cave. There is still life outside the cave. God did not intend for you to live there. I need you to come out. God wants somebody to hear his voice today. He wants you to step out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Satan wanted to keep Elijah in a corner in the darkness hovering over him while he laughs at him, while he whispers lie after lie into his ears. But God says, Elijah, if you will step outside... I have something that I need to show you. I also have something that I need to say to you. So what did Elijah see? The Bible says, and behold, the Lord passed by. Have you ever felt that? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about today. Because if you have, you'd be grinning right now because you know what it feels like. Because I've had God pass by me. Sometimes it was in my car. Tears rolling down my eyes, but God passed by. There have been times it was in a church service and I laid on an altar and I cried like a baby, but God passed by and I knew he passed by. Sometimes I've been walking in Walmart and all of a sudden the Lord passed by. You know when the Lord passes by. And the Bible said that the Lord passed by. It's a significant, special, divine manifestation or the appearance of God's presence. The subsequent events that we have, such a strong wind. In Acts chapter 2, the wind came in suddenly. He also sees an earthquake. This is Moses on the same mountain, Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Where he gets the Ten Commandments, it's the same mountain. Where Elijah is in the cave. There's an earthquake that comes. The whole mountain trembles in the presence of the Lord. When Moses gets the commandments. And then fire. Man, Elijah knows what fire is. He has just called it down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. But the passage, the passage emphasizes to us that God's presence was not directly, in, it was not a response to any of these things was the presence of God. All these drastic measures and all these dramatic displays, God emphasizes to us, the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not in the earthquake. Elijah, whether you can believe it or not, the Lord was not in the fire. Instead, the divine communication with the prophet occurred in a low, gentle breeze, a whisper in his ear, a still, small voice, highlighting the idea that God's voice and guidance, it doesn't have to be in this loud, boisterous setting. It can be in a quiet, subtle moment rather than a grand, overwhelming display of power. And I'm not suggesting that God never shakes the place because he does. But we have programmed ourselves to believe that it's the only way God can move and display his power. We have to have the jerking. We have to have the mountain shaking. And then we know God showed up. I grew up in a little Pentecostal church. It was the kind of church that people would call you on the phone and say, how was church today? Did y'all have a good service? And we'd say, oh yeah, we had a good service. We shouted. Because in our minds... 
If God showed up, he was going to show up in the shout. And I am not telling you that God doesn't do that because God does. I preached about Jericho last week and they shouted a great shout to the Lord and they shouted so loud and rejoicing blue trumpets and the place fell down. I preached to you that the apostle Paul prayed and the Bible said when the church had prayed, the place was literally shaken. I serve a God that can, that can do that, but we have programmed ourselves to thinking that's the only way it happens. I'm gonna tell you something. We, we probably should have got people to sign waivers before they came to seek the Holy Ghost in our altars. You think I'm picking with you. I'm telling you, I have been to the altar. I mean, we thought the louder we screamed, the harder we slapped their head, the greater the power of God was. My goodness, I've been slapped on the head so many times in the altar. I've had those good gray hair grannies grab my head and I'm going in a circular motion like this. And when I faint, they thought I was in the spirit. No, I was drunk. <laughs> Literally drunk. I'm telling you, I am, I am, I promise you, if mama would have took me to the hospital after a good Thursday night Holy Ghost altar call, I would have probably been diagnosed with a mild concussion. We had church. We programmed ourselves. I'm sitting there thinking, going to the altar in my church, Johnny was like being prepped for a UFC fight. I'm telling you. You got beat, you got battered. There was times I even tried to get up because I needed to go use the bathroom, bless God. And they just pushed me right back down and said, keep praying, boy. And I'm thinking about five more minutes and you're going to regret this. We have programmed ourselves to believe that is the only way God moves. If it's not loud, if we aren't shaking, if we aren't rolling, if we aren't running, we aren't shouting, it's not a true move of God. But I want to tell somebody, sometimes I don't feel like shouting. If you would have told me at 13 years old that those words would have ever come out of my mouth, I would have called you a liar to your face. Because I wanted to shout every service. I'll kick with them, I'll dance with them, I'll get down. But I'm telling you, when you've been in a cave, you don't feel like shouting. You don't feel like kicking. You don't feel like hollering. You don't feel any of that. But sometimes I don't feel like shouting. Do you know why I don't feel like shouting? Because I just need to hear His voice. Because if I can hear His voice, I know everything is going to be all right. Sometimes we need the voice. I got to hurry so I can close. Let's go. Verse 14. Elijah's answer makes two things very clear. And I'll close with this. First, he believes he's alone in his faithful service to the Lord. There's nobody else going through this. Lord, I'm the only one, right? You're not. Secondly, he's fr frustrated by the injustice of it all. Elijah has done things that history will remember for thousands of years until Jesus comes back. He has done some incredible, powerful acts of faith. 
But now everything that He's done seems small and it seems little and of little consequence to the world. Furthermore, these evil people seem to be doing just fine while I find myself running for my life so I don't die. But in verse 15, then the Lord said... That voice is more clear now than it was before. And God assured him and gave him clarity about the very things that had driven him into the cave. The first thing God said to him, in short, is Elijah, I am not finished with you yet. There is still a purpose for your life. And even though you may feel your life doesn't have meaning, and though you may feel like your life doesn't have purpose anymore, I need you to get out of this cave and I need you to go to a guy named Hazael and I need you to anoint him and tell him he's the next king over Syria. And then I need you to go. I'm not finished with you, man of God. You can't tuck away and hide. Your ministry is still going to be powerful. You're about to do some great things. Go, go down there to, to Israel and you anoint Jehu as king of Israel. And there's going to be this young man that you're going to see plowing shears by the road. Nobody even knows his name right now. But I need you to go and I need you to tell him the anointing is going to come on you, young man, like you've never known before. And if you see me when I am taken away, when this mantle drops, you are not only going to walk in the anointing of Elijah, but you are going to have a double portion of my spirit. You are going to do double the miracles. You're going to do double. See, I'm trying to tell somebody. You need to, this is bigger than you, ladies and gentlemen. This is bigger than me. If Elijah would have stayed in the cave, where's Elijah show up at? Where's Elisha without Elijah? You don't have him. I'm telling you that if you are still here, regardless of how useless you may feel, I am telling you that you are here for a reason. God is going to use you to pour into somebody else, to help somebody else, to bless somebody else. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? You're going to help other people. And they're going to do great things for me all because you listen to a still small voice. I'm going to leave you with this. And as for the injustices, man of God, he said the day of judgment is going to come for the wicked. You think they're doing good and you're doing bad? Those that escaped the sword of Hazael, Jehu is going to kill them. If they escape the sword of Jehu, then Elisha, your protege, is going to get them. Lastly, Elijah, now that you're hearing more clearly and the noise has been dispelled, I need you to know something, Elijah. And I think this was the part that he needed to hear. You are not alone. You may feel like nobody else is with you or for you. But I need you to know, Elijah, that when you walk out of this cave, you are not going out of this cave alone. When you go to those kings, you're not going alone. When you go to Elisha, you're not going to be alone. For I, the Lord, am going to be with you. You have not been abandoned. You have not been forgotten. God cares about the things you care about. Come on to the piano, Susan. I'm closing. We often feel as if we're the only person in the entire world going through what we're going through. Has anybody ever been there other than me? Do y'all know what that was? That's the lie of the devil. You're not the only one that's been in a cave. You're not the only one that's suffered from stress and anxiety and depression. You're not the only one. You're not the only one that has marriage issues. 
You're not the only one that has family issues. That's a lie of the devil. I, re I remember, it's been many, many years ago. My mother died. I was 20 years old when my mother left this world. She was a pillar of mine, a prayer warrior. You, you know the mama. Some of you still got them. When you need to touch heaven, you call mama and say, Mama, would you pray? That, that kind of mama. 20 years, uh, I was 20 years old. Been tw over 20 years ago. And so I remember people walking through that line. I've said this before. And at that moment, I was about ready to crawl in a cave. And I hold up pretty good, folks. I really do. I can be going through hell on earth and I can hide it as good as anybody. I'm going to tell you, I've learned how to do it. It's part of my job description. But let me tell you, that day I shook people's hands like nothing was wrong. Oh man, we loved her. She's a great woman. I went home that night. I cried like a baby in my bed. Just me and God. My wife obviously laying beside me. I just, you just turn to the other side and you just cry. And at that moment, I thought to myself, you are the only one that's ever went through this. Because when I was, had people walking through that line, y'all have been here. Some of you have. You know what I'm talking about. Because I'm not the only one. You've been there. And I remember these people walking around. And, and this lady walks up to me and she shakes my hands. Son, I understand what you're going through and this and that. And other. I won't ever forget. It was like it was yesterday in my mind. And I looked beside her coy and her mother, who's got to be 80 plus years old, is standing right beside her. And I, I remember thinking, I didn't say it to her. I hide it good, right? I said to myself, no, you you have no idea what I'm going through. But what God did is He sent other people through that line, Brian. That when they shook my hand, they said, I lost my mother last year, son. I know what you're going through. It was in that moment that God let me know, you are not in this cave by yourself. There's other people that have been here. Now you can crawl up in the cave and you can wallow in your misery and you can have a woe is me party and you can cry your tears all that you want to. But son, you have not been called to live in this cave. Your mama is in a better land. Get your microphone, preach again. Larry, my dear friend and mentor that's here today, I love you and Sharon. Thank you all for being with us. I was 16 years old, had lung surgery. I don't know if I've ever told you. I laid in that bed. They gave me one of those, I call it the, it's, it's, it's a, I don't know what that thing's called. What's that thing called? You breathe in. Me and Ruby looked at it the other day when she was in the hospital. You remember what that thing's called? That breathing thing you had to breathe in? Yeah, what was that called? Wouldn't you say that it came from hell? Wouldn't you agree with that statement? She, she agrees with that. All right. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying to breathe in that thing. That thing goes about that high and it falls down. I remember, Harry, I sat in that hospital bed for seven days. I need to see the light. I'm tired of this mess. For seven days. And I remember the devil constantly just, it was noisy. It was noisy. You're not going to preach again. That's what I heard over and over again. I was a young man. I was 16 years old. There was nothing in this world that I loved more than preaching the gospel. I begged for microphones. I would go to churches. I'd have my Bible and my notes ready. And I was just hoping they'd say, Brother Jimmy's going to come preach for us tonight. I was so excited about Jesus. The devil told me, he said, you're never going to preach again. I'd say, yeah, I can. Uh, surely I'll be able to preach. It gets better, right? 
And I try to breathe in that thing. Yet another failure. And I remember Satan telling me, you're never going to preach, never going to preach. And I, honest to God, thought I never would. I would go to take deep breaths, and my lungs would hurt so bad, and I'd grab my chair. So I think, man, I can't. what in the world? Why would you let this happen to me, God? I can't do this. And I about ended up in the cave over that stuff, because I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is what you've called me to do. Why in the world aren't you giving me this? And it's been weeks. It's been several months since I preached. I'm still having problems, and I'm short of breath. From my lung surgery, but I remember Sister Hazel Nixon. She's a precious woman of God. She just retired after 40 something years of ministry. And she said, Brother Jimmy's going to come preach for us tonight. It was Jennifer's little holiness church that she went to. And I remember I got up there, Brian, and I struggled, I struggled, I struggled. By the time I got finished with that sermon, I literally, really was in the cave. But before I got down, it was like the Holy Spirit came on me. And I said, I want to tell you something, people. I haven't told anybody else. I said, the devil told me that I'd never be preaching again. But look at what's in my hand. I've got a microphone and a Bible. It was in that moment. It was like I heard the whisper of God. I said, come out of this cave, son. Get out. And I did. The rest is history. Let's all stand. I'm closing. Elijah, I have 7,000 people reserved in Israel that love God just like you do and that are going to serve God just like you will. You are not the only one. God wanted me to let someone know today that you need to listen for the voice in the middle of all the noise. And I know it's crazy right now. And I know the devil is talking to you. And I know the devil is trying to cloud your judgment. And I know the devil is speaking all kinds of lies over your life. But God is about to whisper in your ear exactly what you've been needing to hear for so many months now. I'm asking you to take a moment and just listen. What is God saying? Because I don't feel like shouting. I just need to hear His voice. Father, today I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for how powerful You are and how great You are. And though I've went a little over today, I've preached what You've laid on my heart today. And I don't know people's situation. I don't know what they're going through. I have no idea. But I'm asking You that if they feel like they are alone... And if they feel like they are in a cave right now and they feel like it's hopeless and it's helpless and all they see is darkness around them and all they hear is lies from other people and even from the devil himself telling them it's never going to get better. I'm asking you today to do something for them. I'm asking you to let them hear a still small voice that will let them know everything is going to be okay. Sing it, Beth. Sing it, sing it. Oh, God. These altars are open today. These altars are open. If you want to pray, you're welcome. Praise you again and again.
fit for a king, except for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. I've got one response, and I've got just one.
Sometimes it's all we got. We don't have much, but we give you what we have. We praise you in the storm. We praise you in our trials. We praise you as we come out of this cave. We're not living there. We're not staying there. Speak to your people. Speak to your people. And call them out of the cave of despair. Speak to your people and call them out of the cave of loneliness. Speak to your people and call them out of that cave of anxiety. Call them out of the cave of depression. Call them out of whatever cave it may be in the name of Jesus. Call them out and let them know that you're there. You are about to pass by this cave. Lord, I claim it in the name of Jesus for everyone here today that you're about to pass by and you're going to whisper in their ear, and they're coming out. If you accept that today and believe it, receive it, say amen. Would you? God bless you today is our prayer.